to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. And welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick. And as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, disaster recovery, emergency response, crisis management and communications, and anything that can be related to those topics. Uh, I want to remind everybody that if there's a topic you want us to specifically address or talk about, please feel free to go to the show website. There is a button uh, underneath, I think, uh, somewhere on there in the middle of the page where that you can send the host an email. Uh, I do get all messages and I do respond to all. Let me know what the topic is you want to talk about or who should be on the show. And we'll try to get somebody to talk about your topic, try to get the person you're, you're uh, talking about, or even uh, get yourself on the show to talk about something that's uh, near and dear to your heart. Uh, with regards to, you know, what we'd like to talk about on the show. I also want to remind everyone that I will be at the Disaster Recovery Journal Conference, DRJ, in Phoenix, Arizona, September 23rd to 26th. And with Voice America, on September 24th, we're going to be doing some live shows. And as I have some more information on those, I will uh, certainly be passing that along. So please, if you're attending the conference, come by. You'll see me and my entourage walking around with microphones and, uh, you know, all kinds of things, I'm sure. Uh, so hopefully uh, we get to meet more of you uh, out there. As many of you know, in May, I attended the Continuity and Resilience Today conference in Toronto. It was a great conference attended by some very knowledgeable people and a good crowd. And I reached out to many of the speakers to see if they want to talk on the show. And uh, lo and behold, quite a few did. And the very first person that I'm talking to from the show is somebody I met, someone who's very, uh, um, ex uh, how do I how do I ex describe you, Suzanne? Um, very uh -huh. lively, very open, very friendly, you know, very approachable, a uh, wonderful lady, uh, Suzanne Bernier, who spoke on climbing the continuity career ladder for millennials, how to make your way to the top. And having spoken to uh, Suzanne before, I know that a lot of what she has to say probably uh, is for everybody out there, because I know one of the topics that came up is that at the CRT conference, and I've seen on forums, is that our knowledge base is getting older. <clears throat> cough, cough. You know, <laughs> so uh, some of the uh, newer people coming into the industry you know, um, may need uh, some tips on how to really boost their career. And that's what uh, Suzanne was uh, talking about. So hopefully everyone that's out there that's listening, who's been in the industry for a long time or at whatever stage is just joining, is going to pick up some really interesting tips and, and uh, as we, as Suzanne and myself chat. So I'd like to welcome to the show Suzanne Bernier. Suzanne, Welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be part of the show and be, to be part of this, Alex. Um, yeah, I I wanted to be able to, when when you reached out to me and asked if I'd be willing to share my thoughts um, on based on kind of a summary of, of, of my presentation at the conference, I thought 
yeah, I jumped at the opportunity because I thought the better we can get our message out to people in a variety of different ways to let them know how to be able to enhance their skills and get them that other position or that, you know, that, that role um, or that visibility that they need, um, the better in this industry as it's growing and as we need more professionals coming in and being uh, specialists in the field of emergency management and business continuity and emergency management. So thank you for that opportunity. I'm glad you accepted. <laughs> Can you give us a, um, like a bio of yourself, your biography, you know, sure. how you got to where you are and what you've done? Because I, I know there's some exciting things in there. Yeah, and it, it happened, and I think a lot of us in the emergency management and the business continuity field that have been in it for several years now probably come from similar backgrounds where we didn't plan, you know, no, none of us really grew up saying, I want to become an emergency manager or a business continuity manager when I grow up. It wasn't <laughs> one of those types of professions, and it's a fairly newer type of profession, so I got into it in a very indirect kind of way, which I think a lot of us did that got into mm-hmm. it 20 plus years ago. Um, but I was actually a journalist. By trade, I graduated from journalism. That's what I went to school for. And I was a journalist. Um, And then I ended up leaving the journalism industry to be in the other side of the industry, to be a government press secretary. Um, And so I did that for a while. And then ended up um, getting out of the government press secretary role and being assigned to be a spokesperson, a press relations person for our public safety division. One of the areas was our well, Emergency Measures Ontario, it was called at the time. Um, and, and it was our state-level or province-level emergency management agency that I was assigned to just be a spokesperson for. Um, and this was back way before Hurricane Katrina, before 9-11, even before the ice storm of 1998. Um, so a lot of people, including myself, weren't even aware that there were these types of organizations out there. Um, And so when I found out and was assigned with this role, I thought, wow, I mean, this is amazing that this organization even exists, and they do what they do and help communities and organizations recover from disasters and respond to them. But I don't want to just talk about what they do. I want to be one of these field officers. So I went into the director one day, and I told him that. I said, I just don't, I don't want to be the spokesperson. I, I want to, how do I become an officer? And then at that time, there was only one school in Canada where you could get trained in emergency management was um, the Canadian Emergency Preparedness College. And so they sent me there, and I went and took all of the courses at the time that you needed to take, took them all, and came out, and there happened to be an opportunity, and it's all about timing as well, um, where the timing was right. I happened to just come out now. Um, I had been able to vocalize, which this is also kind of like when I share my story, I let people know to take tidbits away as well, which as I was doing it, I didn't really realize. But now when Mm -hmm. I look back, I think, oh, okay, well, Luckily, I made that decision to do that or say yes to this or not. And and those are maybe some tidbits that as I'm maybe telling my story, if people can kind of take from it um, and personalize it themselves and maybe take some tidbits away. Um, Like one of them was, now I realize and I look back thinking for me to be able to just vocalize and say instead of just thinking and wishing, oh, I don't want to just talk about all, you know, what these officers do. I want to be one of them but actually mm-hmm. to, to sit down with the director and tell them that that's what I wanted to do, you know, it was worth a shot. I had no idea whether or not they'd say yes or not or laugh me out the office or whatever. But, but if I you, took a but shot. If you don't ask, and then it happened, know. you know, and, and then the timing as well where they said, well, then you have to go right away. These courses are going on. And I <laughs> took a shot and did it. 
came out and that timing happened where an officer position happened to be opening up and I applied for it. Um, originally, there was a little bit of a concern um, because of my size and age and being a female at the time and being deployed potentially alone to certain potentially dangerous and unsafe areas. It was definitely a health and safety issue. There were some issues about that, too, um, about their concern of assigning me as an officer. But we were able to address those, and, um, and then I got the officer position. So that's how I got into the field of emergency management, um, and that was now 20, 21 years ago. And it was just a few months before what we call the ice storm of the century happened. And mm-hmm. then it just happened that because... I was a field officer just a few months in, and I got called out to be deployed to that um, emergency that ended up still to this state being the largest one in Canada for a deployment that really was just, you know, um, getting my training right there in the biggest emergency that that we had, but little did I know that that would happen um, and that I would get that on-site, you know, um, field training um, by being part of this deployment for that ice storm. Um, So I did that for five years. I was an an officer for the province and responded to different emergencies. But when there weren't emergencies, what our job normally was as an officer, and there were four of us at the time, now there's a lot more of them spread out across the province because there's a lot more need now um, than there were 20 years ago. Uh, But our role also, most of the day-to-day role, was to work with communities um, that we were assigned, and I had, let's say I had 45 communities in my territory, and my responsibility was to work with them to make sure that they had appropriate emergency plans in place for their communities, um, that their responders were all on the same page, that we would run exercises and evaluate them every year and do training on crisis communications and, and different things. Then incorporating this is not continuity years later when that started becoming more of a concept um, in the emergency management field, um, pandemic planning, a lot of different things uh, depending on what was going on and what the heightened risks were at the time. And of course, now we've seen that change incredibly um, over the last 20 years. Um, the, the, risk, um, um, the risks now are very different than they were back then. What we were trained for 20 years ago um, is quite a bit different than what we're training people for and to be prepared for now. It is. We, we have to keep our skills you know, um, up, up to speed, so to speak, you know, and constantly learn from each other and what's going on in the world. You can't just rely on the textbook you may have had 20 years ago. You know, it's, you know, it, it keeps changing. You, right. you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned something. And, and that's another thing 40, I think that people sorry, who are in the industry that want to be able to enhance their, either their visibility within their own organization or globally or whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. is to recognize that fact, too, um, and to be aware of the need to be able to always look ahead and be prepared for uh, in advance of the next threats and risks and, and really be someone who's looking ahead to technology and accepting um, that there are other ways um, that we could be doing things and new innovations and adaptations that we could be using. Um, and, and I've noticed that the, the people who do um, make it up the ladder and become successful in whatever career it is, really, um, are the ones who are open um, to that and open to realizing that it's not just about what we learned 20 years ago and what the state of the world was or what the state of business was, was 20 years ago. It's what, we, what is happening now. Exactly. You know, I like, not that I like reading about disasters, but 
I'm always reading the uh, you know news websites or articles or magazines, you know, trade magazines that come out with new ways of thinking, new ideas, because if you had a disaster, let's say, uh, you know, you were taking care of one of your 40 communities and one of them, you know, hopefully not, fingers crossed, touch wood, had a disaster, then I'm going to pay attention, you know, what did you do? You know, how did you do that? What went well? Would I be able to do the same thing, you know, where I am now? How would I change that? And that's what we have to do to keep growing. Right, yeah. And and being able to recognize the people and the external sources and resources that we are able to have access to, especially nowadays that we didn't before because of social media and just because now it's, it's much more of an organized effort to be able to respond to emergencies or disasters um, across North America. But um, I think it's something that obviously we still need to be working at and uh, it's, it's, it's just been a really great experience. And, and the other thing that I've been doing a lot, so I, I was doing the officer, the emergency management officer thing for five years. Um, and then I, then I went to our nuclear commission and ended up working for them for a year because I wanted to get more of a feel for um, the nuclear side of things. Um, I, I had a couple nuclear facilities in my territory that um, I was working with, and I, I really wanted to become more familiar with that. So that's another area that I would uh, tell, advise people if they want to specialize or they want to become more familiar in a certain area within emergency management or business continuity or risk management um, to identify and, and take a look at. You know, if you're having more enjoying working on these types of plans specifically, there's probably a reason for that. And mm-hmm. if you want to learn more or become an expert in that, why not do it? Nothing's stopping you from doing that, um, especially now that we have so many resources online to be able to get free training in a lot of instances to be able to learn more on whatever it is that we want to focus on and specialize on. Um, so that's the other suggestion that I advise people is to focus on one of those other areas that they're interested in. And if they want to make a leap and see if maybe that's their interest um, and, and that's why they feel a special you know, need to, to work on that area, then do it. Um, you'll, you'll know what feels best for you, and that's kind of something that I felt that I needed to do, so I did that. I only did it for a year, but that's all I needed, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to know that, okay, now I had more of that knowledge on the nuclear area and had developed more of that different kind of work um, where that responsibility was more of a wasn't a response issue because, fortunately, um, we, we, haven't, um, we haven't had any nu- nuclear accidents or incidents um, in Canada. However, um, it, was, it was something that, that we had to be prepared for um, yes. and made me recognize that um, it was something that I just wanted to become more knowledgeable in. Um, so did that, and then afterwards came back to the province and then started on the BCP side. And then the province had decided that they wanted to incorporate business continuity plans and develop business continuity plans for every one of our ministries. Um, in the government of Ontario. So I was tasked as being part of the team that would be responsible for training all of these new business continuity people that were assigned to develop all these business continuity plans for ministries. And most of these people who'd been assigned those positions had no background in business continuity, had no idea what business continuity was. So our little group's responsibility was really to let people know and train them in what business continuity was all about. Um, So we all went and took the course uh, you know, the DRI course and our little team. And then we became sort of this little in-house training team um, mm-hmm. to 
uh, develop the business continuity plans and programs for the initial programs and plans for the government of Ontario. Um, so that's another piece that happened. Um, and again, just from taking advantage of another opportunity, and I as well, you know, I had no idea. My background was emergency management, more the boots on the ground, the people part. Uh, the mm-hmm. thing I'd heard of BCP, you know, a little bit, but wasn't that? But I was open to it and thought, yeah, if this is a need, then um, and recognize that this is going to be more of a need, and and then of course now uh, it is uh, a need for everyone at every size of business that we've seen examples of continuously um, of how businesses are much more successful if they've got business continuity plans in place and they suffer from disasters. Of course, you'd know that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, and I've kind of lost my train of track there, so maybe this might be a point where you want to kind of like ask me a question or steer me in a direction <laughs> if I'm going off somewhere. But Well, actually, we've come to the end of our first segment, so we're going to take a break. We're okay. talking with Suzanne Bernier, and we're talking about climbing the continuity ladder, and uh, we're getting some tips on things we can learn to enhance our own careers. We'll be right back with Suzanne. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to the show. We're talking with Suzanne Bernier about climbing the continuity career ladder. 
uh, for millennials, but at the same time, it could be you know for just about anybody. Um, Suzanne, in the first segment, there were two areas that I, I just wanted to uh, comment on. Uh, one, I'll ask you a little bit more details. Uh, you said focus on one area, and I just wanted to say that um, you know I'm not a big fan of uh, you know, being asked what a person's strengths and weaknesses are. And I liked your comment. You know, when you focus on a single area. You know, my belief is that you will become good in that area. And if you do have weaknesses or perceived weaknesses, um, they will actually get stronger because you're more focused and you can actually deal with it rather than, you know, focusing on, um, uh, you know, what's perceived to be weaknesses. You don't actually move forward. You just kind of stay where you are. So I, I really like your, your point about, you know, focusing on a single area. Yeah, and that's a great that's a great addition to a good point, Alex. And the other thing is you mentioned the, the ice storm here in Canada. Can you give a little bit more detail on that? Because uh, we have listeners sure. around the globe, but they may not be familiar with when that happened and the extent of what happened. Yeah, this was back in early January of 1998. And we had an ice storm that was going through the eastern part of Canada, specifically Quebec and Ontario, um, or the, the affected areas. And while Quebec and Montreal area were most of the highlighted affected areas, so if some people across the globe might have heard of some of the the news, um, they might have heard more of it looking like it impacted the Quebec area, which it did. And there were hundreds of communities that were impacted for weeks at a time and were without power in that area. But they were also affected on our side. Um, of the provincial lines as well. So on the Ontario side, on the eastern Ontario side, we had 66 communities declare an emergency alone in our province. Had mm-hmm. never been done before and has never happened since. Um, imagine again, 66 communities having to declare an emergency at the same time in one province or one state, in one specific area. And this was during uh, the height of winter in that specific part of Canada, as is much of Canada at that time in the beginning of January. Um, And in a lot of areas that were isolated or remote areas and hard to get to once the power was out, um, it took us, uh, um, and and this us I'm talking about emergency operations centers opening up um, and coordination from all levels of government um, including the federal levels, Department of National Defense, the province, uh, all of the communities that were affected, um, as well as the region of Ottawa, um, the federal government level, all different areas and emergency operations centers working together just to make sure that we could, one, get information and resources out to people and um, generators and, and other ways to be able to provide power and resources to people um, for an extended period of time and a prioritize how and when to give power back to people safely. Um, it was a huge endeavor that we'd never faced before in this country and, and have yet to face uh, since. Uh, we've seen several smaller ice storms um, and, of course, fires and devastating floods across Canada as well. Uh, but to date, that was still the, the one um, uh, largest, um, the largest uh, response effort that we've had to respond to. As a yeah. part of the province of Ontario in, in a larger effort like that. Um, and it did last, as I said. So in the end, it lasted about five weeks in total until we could actually get power back to the remaining areas um, that had to have power back up and running. 
It was a very yes, large it, endeavor. It was, and to, to, to visualize it, picture the large uh, power lines, the big towers, you know, that carry the power lines everywhere. They were all folded over. The weight was so heavy. You know, trees yeah. all across cities, you know, and towns were just flat. It was unbelievable. I remember going through that uh, myself, and it was just incredible. So, and, um, so I, I don't know if maybe that will lead me to, or we can that will lead to the next section, um, which is is getting back into those tips for people as I've sure. been experiencing that disaster and then responding to different other ones as well. Um, things that I've observed and thought, oh, I'd like to share with people as, and, and it might help them as they're um, thinking of different ways to move up or different areas they want to go um, in this type of a career. Um, so one of the other things I noticed in that response, as well as anyone that, and I'm sure you can vouch for it as well, is the positive side of disasters as well. And, and so that's something that um, I wanted to focus on and then veered me in this whole other area. Um, but then it, it helped me be able to enhance um, myself um, as well and my skills and my marketability without me realizing it until afterwards, which was, um, okay, so I had noticed and, and it knew that being a former journalist, um, but then being res- responding to emergencies and being in the, on the background um, of things as opposed to be just seeing things on media. I knew that there were a lot of positive stories from disasters that needed to be shared, um, that the media didn't have time perhaps to focus on so much. And I wanted to do that. And so part of the time when I would volunteer, and that's another thing that I would t- give a tip to people, is if they're able to take time to volunteer, even if you've got two weeks vacation, um, and maybe, and I'm not saying to be a saint and de- devote all of your two weeks that you have limited vacation um, to go and volunteer somewhere after disaster. However, um, even just volunteering a day somewhere, Mm -hmm. taking the time out of your week, let's say if you're going to New York with the family for a week, take the time for the day to find a volunteer organization that's setting up people to help where they're still rebuilding after Hurricane Sandy. Or if you're going to Texas or wherever Mm -hmm. it is, think about maybe an opportunity to take a day or two or a week if you can or whatever it is to volunteer because that's how you're also going to get more experience and exposure um, being involved in responding to those disasters that you normally would never get called out for or deployed mm-hmm. at. Um, I never would have got deployed at Katrina, um, but I wanted to go and help volunteer. So with different organizations, I was able to have that opportunity to do that and return regularly to be able to help rebuild and then, you know, get involved within that whole network of um, Hurricane Katrina's rebuilding efforts. Um, and that was really what, so I was getting to my next point, which is kind of now, that's, that, that's getting into my next point, which was that was really what inspired me to then write a book on the positive side. Because when my first volunteer experience with Katrina, I had seen all of the media coverage beforehand, but then when I got on the ground, I realized, wow, there's so many great things and positive hero stories that nobody's hearing about and that we really need to be focusing on. And if nobody's going to be right about them, I'm going to. Um, and mm-hmm. that's really kind of how I got inspired to write a book called Disaster Heroes. And I just thought, well, you know, there's all these great things, and we should be focusing on the, the positive side as well of what goes on behind the scenes. Not just people like us who do what we do and are trained, but I'm talking about everyday people who step up and do amazing things 
to help Can you give us an example? Or save lives after disasters. Um, so that's what I did. I, I decided afterwards um, that, okay, I want to focus on looking at finding these everyday heroes that have stepped up after the world's um, most significant disasters from 9-11 onwards and kind of did that. But then from there, um, I would want the journey that, that led my journey and my career further, and I had no idea it would, so much so that, you know, I'm not going to say the whole journey, but so much so that I'll just say that in the end it led me to an invitation to be able to speak at the White House in 2016. And it was all based on because of being able to, you know, write the book and focus on the positive side of disasters and, and, um, and just, you know, thinking about something and following it through. And little did I know <laughs> that that would then happen. And I'd be speaking at this FEMA event um, at the White House in 2016. And, and you know, then it's kind of launched me um, to be able to speak at all these other conferences across the world. I'm going back to Australia in August to speak at another one. Um, but it's all just, and I'm not any better than anybody else in the field. It's, it's just about putting yourself out there. And then, you know, you speak at one conference, you write a book, and then people hear about you. And it's just if you want to increase your marketability, now I'm realizing these are some of the ways that have helped um, me be able to do that without me even realizing it as I, as I was kind of going through the process myself. So you got to put yourself out there. Can you, can you yeah. give us a couple, an example or two of disaster heroes? Just to sure. have have a little bit of a positive. I know we're talking about ice storms. Yeah. And, you know, so you know what? I'll share the first story that's in the book because he's the inspiration for the book, and it kind of is a really great example, and it covers three different disasters in one. Um, so there's this one fellow, Ronnie Goldman, and he's the first hero I talk about. And I met him actually during a rebuilding in New Orleans because he's a New Orleanian. And he's a, he was a phone engineer with a phone company based out of New Orleans. Um, I met him after Katrina. But his story is about what he did after 9-11. So after 9-11, he and his wife were listening to a broadcast of President Bush at the time, who was um, giving an address at Ground Zero. And what he noticed specifically was at the end of the address, when the camera panned out, he noticed that President Bush was standing on the shell of a burned-out fire truck. And Ronnie remembered hearing news reports about how not only all of the hundreds of lives that were lost, but also the hundreds of service vehicles um, that were lost that day as well. And he thought to himself and, and, and commented to his wife, you know, somebody needs to raise some money. They need to rebuild back the, the, the fire department. Um, how are they going to get these vehicles back? And so just with that one idea, instead of, you know, most of us who'd be the armchair critic and think or, you know, look at this news report and think, well, I hope somebody thinks to do something about that. Or, you know, I hope the government um, is able to give them money to be able to replace their vehicles. He actually thought, well, why don't I maybe come up with a fundraising idea? and see if the residents of Louisiana want to come up with a fundraising campaign. So he called a local radio talk show the next day, put that idea out there, and then three months later they were able to raise enough money to build and deliver the first of several fire trucks that rolled all the way from New Orleans to New York City as a gift from, um, from Louisianans to New York to help them rebuild after Katrina, just a beautiful story um, of mm -hmm. how one man and having one idea and just picking up a phone 
made him a hero to the community of New York City after 9-11. But the story doesn't end there. So little did Ronnie know that four years later, he's telling me, that Katrina would happen, his own community would be affected, and the same amount of firefighters that were lost in New York City after 9-11 accompanied that first fire truck that was donated by New Orleans, the spirit of Louisiana, and they came all the way back to New Orleans to help New Orleans rebuild after Katrina. Again, thanks to the, the spirit of Louisiana and that one idea that Ronnie had four years earlier to save another community. Um, and then, the story doesn't end, end there, a couple years later, um, the spirit was now in a, in, a, in a fire museum in Baton Rouge. Then Hurricane Sandy happened in New York. They recommission the fire truck, and they bring it back to New York City, where it then helped rebuild that community after Hurricane Sandy. So just one example of one everyday hero who, uh, just having one idea and picking up the phone and doing something about it, helped save three, three different communities rebuild after a disaster. That is a nice story. I like that. Yeah. So if we're, let's say, you know, I know you've got some tips from your experiences. What what do you suggest if I'm brand new? You know, I'm well, fresh. one of the first things I'd say is if you're brand new in the, in the field is to be able to join some of the uh, great associations that are out there. There's so many different industry associations that lo- on the local level as well as the regional level and the state level or the provincial level up to the federal level. Um, so do some research on what those associations are and get and be a member. And usually a lot of these local associations, it's, it's pretty reasonable to be a member, but the investment of being able to do that is just so much worth it, to be able to have that networking opportunity, to be able to meet with and talk to and be able to possibly get mentoring advice and opportunities from people who've been in the field for a long time. And the best way that I've seen to be able to do that is to be part of these industry associations. Um, that's also a way where you'll be able to figure out and distinguish a little bit more um, the different areas uh, within business continuity and emergency management and risk management um, so that people can be a little bit more clear on which area they want to focus on and become more of an expert in um, as opposed to others. Um, That also will then help figure out being part of these associations or an association. You'll also find out a lot more about different things that will help you as well, like certifications, Depending mm-hmm. on, again, I, I can't give advice yet, depending on, um, all I can say is I think getting certification in an area that you're interested in and want to become a specialist in, I think, is, is ideal. Um, and, and there's so many different certifications out there. Um, it all depends on what you want to focus on and what your specialty is. But I highly recommend that as well. But people who are new in the field might not be familiar with that. But the best way Mm -hmm. for them to get knowledge of what these different certifications are and then get a feel for, well, does that make sense for them or not, to proceed with that is being part of these associations and just the chats and the discussions that you have. And, again, one of the biggest things um, that I've seen from being part of associations that I've been privileged to be a part of and receive um, great mentorship advice from people who'd been in the industry for a long time uh, and who I just knew. And this is another piece of advice for people is, and sometimes it's hard for people who might not be people person. <laughs> to mm-hmm. be able to have the um, 
you know, the gumption to go up to somebody. But, you know, people in the industry, and I'm sure you're aware of it, Alex, you see it all the time. People really want to share, and that's what this industry is all about. And that's what makes it a really great and really special industry in the first place. So people who've been in this industry for a long time, for a number of years, that you respect and maybe you've followed, um, if you're able to call them up or link them in on LinkedIn, and I'll get into LinkedIn too if we have time for that, because I think that's a huge asset for everybody um, as well to be able to gain connections and uh, recognition in the field as well. Um, but, and I, so that I kind of lost my train of thought there, but in the end, yeah, I think being able to network, putting yourself out there, um, being able to get mentorship from people, approaching people. And as, yeah, my my final thought on that part was that pretty much anybody that you want to approach and you're going to ask them if they'd be willing to share their advice on career advice or mentoring you, uh, in, in this industry, I'd say most of the time you would not get a no on that. So I would highly advise people to do that. Seek out those people that they've heard about, that they read about, that they know that they really admire and respect, and link them in and ask them for a quick chat um, to find out more about them and, and, and if they have advice for them. I agree with that. And I, I have a comment, but I think you've touched on it. And I'm not going to go there because I know in our next segment, you want to talk about LinkedIn. So I'm not going to say anything right now. <laughs> we, we've come to the end of our second segment. And we're talking with Suzanne Bernier and tips for climbing the continuity career ladder. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river. Like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. 
Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's info at stone-road.com. Now back to preparing for the unexpected. Welcome back to the show. We're talking with Suzanne Bernier about climbing the continuity career ladder. Um, Suzanne, in the last segment, you started to touch on LinkedIn. And I got a feeling I know where you're going with that. Can you tell us how LinkedIn can help us? Yeah, and and I think LinkedIn is a great um, avenue. And I've been, there have been so many examples of where I've been able to make great connections with people um, and also have good potential career opportunities and and just being able to network with people. Uh, At a global scale, LinkedIn has just been amazing to be able to do that. And these days, this is another avenue now that people have that we didn't have 20 years ago when I entered mm-hmm. the field, right, where we could actually have networking like this, where we could promote ourselves on something like a LinkedIn. So I'm also thinking of LinkedIn uh, specifically for people, um, well, if I am um, for looking for career advice and being able to enhance um, their marketability through LinkedIn and their visibility is also not just thinking of it as a networking opportunity and, and how many people you're connected with, but also look at it as being able to publish different articles because you can publish your own articles on LinkedIn uh, and being able to post um, links to other articles that are of interest in the field and your own comments. Um, attributed to them and seeking out others' comments in the field and getting discussions going um, and that kind of thing. So really being a contributor um, within LinkedIn mm-hmm. as opposed to just somebody who has a profile. Um, and not just LinkedIn, but of course there's so many other social media avenues too. So it, it really is a great era now to be able to really use all of these different things that are out there technology-wise to be able to enhance your visibility. However, I also caution people that because of it, also be aware that everybody now has, as opposed to 20 years ago, everybody now has the capability through their smartphone to be able to record you secretly, record what you're doing, videotape you, audio tape you, whatever it is, and then Mm -hmm. send it on social media two minutes later. Um, where it can be broadcast around the world. We've unfortunately seen um, where this has been done for people in powers of, uh, in positions of power, um, and it has done severe reputational damage to their image. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something to, to look at. And I'm not saying that, you know, we're all going to be uh, in positions of extreme power one day, but um, think about no one wants to be in an interview one day for this key role that you want to have in our industry or whatever industry it is. And then they pull up some pretty embarrassing, you know, tweets that you might have said or a video that uh, um, of you doing something or, or saying something that might be controversial. Um, so that's a, just a challenge, a, an additional challenge that we have of social media, I think, that people just have to be aware of, not just in our industry, but just in general, um, mm-hmm. that you, you, we, we really are our own personal brand, every one of us. You are your personal brand. And even if you're not in the office, you are your personal brand. And if you want to market yourself as that um, and be respected in the field, um, then you have to be aware of that um, and know that or be prepared for that one day you might not get that job or that position because something came out that um, you might have tweeted out or you might have had on YouTube or whatever years ago. And, you know, we've seen a lot of examples of that. Um, but overall, I'm seeing that the, the benefits far outweigh 
the negatives of being able to use social media. So think of some different ways. I'm, I'm, um, I'm encouraging people of being able to use LinkedIn and other social media, thinking about not only posting a picture like a headshot, during, in your LinkedIn profile, but more like of an action shot. And specifically, think of something that makes you different than anybody else in the field. Or maybe something, do, doing a, an action role of your job, or what mm-hmm. makes you a specialist in that area. Um, so personalize it a bit more, and that will make you stand out. Um, promote yourself and your accomplishments. Ask for recommendations. Broaden your list of connections. That'll, uh, you know, it never hurts to broaden that list of connections on LinkedIn and other social media websites. If you have additional skills, make sure that you, and it's not about bragging, it's how are people going to know what kinds of skills you have unless you talk about it. Unless mm-hmm. you put it out there. And LinkedIn is a great way to do that. It has an area where you can actually add a tab in for different things, like, do you know an additional language? Do you have different skills or expertise in areas? Take advantage of those special areas to put down what makes you different and what different things that you have knowledge in and expertise in. And again, I feel that, especially for Canada, um, and Canadians I have found that sometimes they feel like it's bragging and it's not right to be able to talk about your achievements and your accomplishments. But it's not about bragging. Again, it's, it's about promoting your accomplishments because how else are people going to know the work that you've been doing unless you talk about it. And so take advantage of those social media networks like LinkedIn to do that. Also think about the different things out there like industry associations um, and conferences that have their own publications or industry publications themselves. You mentioned DRJ that you're going to be at in September. Um, DRJ mm-hmm. and their website yes. and Continuity Magazine by the BCI. There's so many different publications out there that are run um, by different industry associations and organizations that are looking for content. Um, If you're an expert and you want to write about something that you've done or a great program that you've implemented in your company that was successful, um, write about it. And there's so many different areas out there that are looking, begging for content on lessons learned and case studies. Um, And again, that's a great way then to be able to let people know about something that you've done or your company has done and implemented BCP or EM-wise. And again, Mm -hmm. a great way to get free um, publicity and uh, publications out of it. And then also uh, a last thing I I would advise is, is for people to really look at those speaking opportunities that they have because that's one of the things that I've noticed in the end that's really been able to help me and opened me up to other opportunities was just having that extra visibility being on the stage um, and just being at different conferences. And I'll, I'll just give you an example of that, and, and then I'll give you, or perhaps I'll just give it some tips, and I'll give an example of why I would really recommend that speaking, uh, taking those speaking opportunities and, and, and give you an example of, of how that personally worked out well for me. Um, but some tips on speaking internally. First of all, if you want to be able to gain some visibility within your own company and let people know the great work that you're doing or that your program is doing um, or your, that your area is doing, is look at different groups that have weekly meetings or divisional meetings or monthly meetings and see how you or your team can get on that agenda and talk about yourself and your program and talk about BCP or EM and how it's helping them. And then you'll get people to listen. Um, And then they'll become aware of you and your team and all of the great things that you're doing to be able to ensure their safety. 
and the safety of the, the, of the company. Um, so it's a win-win for everybody. People are looking for great content um, for speakers internally as well as externally. So think internally first, if that's mm-hmm. your main goal, is to enhance yourself internally. But then also think, start small and think larger externally for other external speaking opportunities if your goal is to enhance your marketability externally. So then start thinking about that, like local chambers of commerce even. My first speaking opportunity actually came from a local chamber of commerce that wanted someone to come in and talk about business continuity plans um, and emergency management. And that was, you know, uh, 10 years ago now um, where that was the official one. But since then, there have been hundreds uh, since. Um, but the, one of them that, that I'll talk about for a second um, was just happened to be speaking um, at a conference that was run by the U.N., and there was somebody in the audience that came up afterwards and said, hey, you, you know, a good presentation on pandemic planning. It was up about pandemic planning at the time. And they said, hey, we happen to need a consultant to come in for a couple months at UN headquarters and review our current pandemic plans and wondering if you'd be interested and available. Well, I never would have had that opportunity ever if mm-hmm. I wasn't in that situation where I happened to be speaking at the conference, that person happened to be hearing me and then came up to me afterwards. I, and then here's <coughs> another tip for people who are listening was originally I thought, well, I'm not going to, I had a full-time job. I was working for the government at the time, still the Ontario government. And I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to just go away for two months and take this contract with the UN. But I thought, well, maybe I'll just take a shot and ask if I can get an unpaid leave to do this and come back. Mm-hmm. And I did. And they said yes. And, uh, of course, because then if you think about it, it, would ma- it made them look good as well. And it was good for them because one of their staff people was asked to take a leave to go to the UN. Um, so, anyway, it worked out for everybody. That's true, yeah. Um, I went yeah. to do that. Uh, but then when I came back, then I started getting calls by headhunters, and then things really exploded from there because then, you know, once you have UN on your resume, um, it really changes things as well. But, again, all of that was just through an opportunity through speaking. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I enjoy the speaking. I did uh, stop for a little while just because I was, uh, you know, had to concentrate on a couple of other things. But it actually does give you a lot of visibility. And it gives you, because you mentioned internally, it gives you a lot of credibility within your own organization. Because suddenly you're, you, you're not just an employee. Suddenly you become an expert. And people start looking at you within the organization going, ask so-and-so what they think about this. You know, even if it's just remotely relatable, they start thinking of you. And that does help market yourself. You know, right. You, you know, it, it brings your profile up. And uh, with the organizations, like you said, uh, you know, volunteering or, or joining and mentoring, you know, or forums, different forum groups on LinkedIn, that gets your name over everything, you know, and you, you, you're not bragging, like, as you say, you know, you're marketing yourself, you know, and I, I think that's really good. The speaking engagements, I completely agree with. Right. And I, and I mean, I know that sometimes speaking engagements for some people, it's not their thing, which is why I also recommend the whole having, looking at the industry publications that are out there and writing and submitting that way, because I know some people just start, that's not what they you know, want to do, but it, it, but it really does, as you said, it really does enhance your visibility and, and uh, credibility um, in yes. the industry for sure, or in any industry you're in. Now, we've only got three minutes left, and I know you have to go. Do you have any closing comments for a minute or so that you'd like to uh, suggest to, to our listeners? Sure. 
Um, yeah, I think that if I could just have one piece of advice for people, what, regardless of what stage of the field that they're in um, and where they want to go, it's just to, I think the biggest piece of advice based on my experience throughout the journey so far is to really keep yourself open. Um, and it's all about networking and really putting yourself out there, um, whatever way you feel comfortable in doing it whether it's and, and sharing and being comfortable in sharing your expertise um, and helping others through it. And, and I think that's another area where I think people need to be a bit more comfortable with knowing that sometimes, you know, the people who might brag about how experts they are in something maybe not are the experts <laughs> in things. So I'm not right. saying maybe it's not best to go around touting yourself as I'm an expert in, um, but, but more about how you have knowledge in something and your, um, and how that knowledge and you're working with the knowledge that you have to be able to help others. And that's really how you're going to be able to get that buy-in and that extra acknowledgement um, from people within your organization, let's say, as well, is being able to speak to them through your presentation by telling them how great you are in the work that your team is doing and you're doing, but what's making it great is it's because it's ensuring the safety of them and their team. That's really how you really get people to become go get on your side is, yes. is if you're making them aware that you're doing this for them and it's about them. It's not really about you. Um, That's right. I mean, I know I'm kind of contradicting what I'm saying because I'm saying when you want to make it about you and being able to talk about all of the skills that you have and what you bring to the table, but it's also making sure that, you know, you're bringing them into it as well and involving them and talking about how it's all just for the greater good of the organization um, and the community overall. And and I think that if everybody has that as their ultimate goal, that we're all in this for the greater good um, and that and to understand that there's so many different areas that they can follow and just think about think about which area you want to follow, which people are out there that are great mentors, communicate with them, link in with them. Um, I'd advise anybody who's listening to link in with me as well, um, uh, as well as follow me on Twitter if you'd like, um, at SB Crisis is my Twitter account. You can go to my um, website and you know, find out all of my different social media accounts there. My website's just my name, SuzanneBernier.com. Um, and anybody who wants to just reach out, um, once you link me in, um, feel free to send me some questions. And, again, I think this industry is great because it's all about sharing, and, uh, and it's not about competition. It's about collaboration. That's right. And on that, we have to end because we've come to the end. I'd like to thank Suzanne. Uh, thanks for joining us and giving us you know, all these tips and things to look in to help uh, you know boost our careers and you know if, even for people that have been in the industry for a long time there are still some things that you've addressed here that maybe they can uh, go and do and you know raise up their own profile and market themselves and you'll know, suddenly find themselves moving forward really quick so thank you very much for giving us all of that and a reminder to everyone, I'll be in Phoenix with Voice America at the DRJ conference, September 23rd to 26th. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
We'll see you here next week.